Fitness is your ability to cope with and recover from stress. And the best way to level up both your mental and your physical fitness is by making small but powerful changes to your daily habits and routines. With this podcast, I aim to bring you a combination of short educational solo casts and slightly longer conversations I've had with a wide variety of fascinating people. The goal? To help you develop a lifestyle which supports your mental and physical fitness and improves your overall quality of life. My name is Jay Unwin. Welcome to FitBody FitMind. Welcome back to Fit Body, Fit Mind. And today I have with me a gentleman who is rather an important influence in my fitness industry career over the years. So I'm quite excited to have him here. This guy is the founder of one of the most highly successful gyms in the history of the fitness industry, I believe, and is now a sought after speaker, consultant, entrepreneur, unicorn groomer, and of course, highly sexy motherfucker, Mr. Mark Fisher. Mark, how are you doing, buddy? I am doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. To get my afternoon caffeination going on here. I think it's an important thing to do. It's an important thing to do, especially given the depth of um, societal and profound things that we're going to talk about, I believe. Yes, and, and much more sustainable than cocaine. Yes, it is. I find that that has, that has um, you know, a bit, of a, a bit of a dip afterwards. There are some negative second and third consequences. That is true. Yeah. None can deny it. <laughs> so I think the the question in everyone's minds a lot of the time when they think about the fitness industry is why do so many people in the fitness industry make everything so fucking boring all of the time? Yeah. Is that is that a question? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Is or it? It's probably not. It's more of a statement. It's an observation. I'd, I'd, do, you, do you have an answer to that? Why do you think people do that? Yeah, I don't I don't know that this is like the one answer, but I think certainly one of the factors that contributes to that is, frankly, the people that are very interested in the details of fitness that oftentimes can be very helpful as a factor in becoming a great coach are oftentimes those interests, those skill sets are inversely correlated with like a very dynamic personality. Not always, of course, there are exceptions. And I, you know, I certainly aspire to be one of those people because for somebody that I know is a little bit unconventional in my brand and approach and style, I do take the work quite seriously. Yeah. But unfortunately, oftentimes it does seem that those skills are bifurcated, that you have people that are incredibly engaging, incredibly dynamic, but sometimes they're just not that dialed into the details and maybe don't really have a very rigorous background in strength conditioning or physiology or nutrition or behavior change psychology. Yeah. And then conversely, you often have very like highly responsible, thoughtful, rigor regimented people that don't always knock the doors down with personality just invite people to you know rip off their clothes and you know storm the barricades together yeah no i think you're, i think you're absolutely right and i think that there's also this element where a lot of the detail which as you say is is vital in vitally important in terms of the coaching if the coach doesn't understand this stuff then they're gonna have a, have a hard time coaching right but the people that they're working with kind of want the simplified version they want that they don't need to know the nuts and bolts of it and when you're as much of a like i'm a massive geek like i I, i'm hugely into science i used to be a science teacher before coming into the fitness industry and so i love all the geeky stuff and i love all the nuts and bolts and i love all the all the detail um but what i learned very quickly when i first came into the fitness industry was that uh, <laughs> that my clients really didn't care about that stuff they just wanted stuff right. that was <laughs> that was that was re- relative to their lifestyle Yes. Yeah. They don't, they don't care at all. And that's difficult. I think for many coaches to understand because they are by dint of being in the industry, at least somewhat interested yeah. in all the things that go along with it, but that is uh, not our clients. No, no. You'd, well, I mean, you'd hope that the coaches were interested in it, wouldn't you? Yeah, certainly. <laughs> and some, to be fair, I mean, there are, you know, this is the, the challenge, right? Because sometimes you actually do have people that are very successful, sometimes financially with their business that, uh, come under flack from the corners of the industry that are very rigorous about yeah. things like evidence-based practices. Yeah. And I think that's interesting. I'm, I'm always curious if somebody is like massively, massively successful, I'm generally more curious in what they're doing well than I might observe that perhaps some of the things they're doing are not based in science, that they're potentially even in some cases actually problematic for long-term sustainability. 
But usually if someone is successful, they're doing something pretty well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so it's, I'd like to learn. What are they doing good? Yeah. And it, it, you'd, you'd think as well that by taking that rather than uh, rather than criticizing those certain bits that perhaps people don't agree with, if you look at someone whose marketing is obviously that on point and, and their messaging is that on point that people are listening, uh, then if you have a really strong evidence-based approach that perhaps is lacking in that delivery, then you can take some of the learning from the delivery just to amplify your totally. own message. Totally. Yeah. No, and that's, it's, I think an ongoing challenge in the industry at large will probably never be solved is that there, again, I'm speaking very broadly, there are many, many exceptions to this, people that are quite good at both, but oftentimes yeah. because those skill sets are inversely correlated, it would seem if you're if you're not looking close, you're sort of deciding between well, I can either be really great at what I do or I can sell out and make money. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Well, no, I'd, it'd be better to do both. Actually, it would be the better way to go. Yeah, yeah. It's always an option. Um, so in terms of like in terms of your own understanding of what fitness is, because we've all kind of got our own ideas of it, we've all got our own uh, definitions, if you like, that that we uh, that we that we bring to it, um, whether we're in the industry or whether we're coming at it just from a kind of a layperson's perspective we have ideas which are conjured up by the word fitness what does it mean to you and how does that kind of fit into your life in particular yeah i don't i guess i would say it means being capable of living the life that you actually want to be living which varies based on the individual but i yeah. do think that my own journey is interesting and probably not dissimilar to a lot of people in the industry where when it started, it was so much about aesthetics and health was not something I thought about literally at all. Yeah. Uh, now, the good thing about that, that can be not a bad starting place. And it's interesting because the other thing too, I see sometimes in the quote unquote serious fitness industry in circles is poo-pooing people that are coming at fitness with some sort of aesthetic goal. Yeah. And I don't think that's actually, not only is that not helpful, I think that's actually not reflective of a deeper understanding of behavior change psychology, which says that it is hard to help somebody that you're judging and rolling your eyes at and have <laughs> contempt and you're condescending to. Yeah, so, you'd think that was obvious really, wouldn't you? You'd, you'd think, you might think. Um, and, I, and I get it because you can certainly go too far with that, right? If you look at like a lot of like fitness marketing copy, if you look at the at least until late, and there's been some changes in this perhaps, but the covers of magazines, the claims, the kinds of things, the sort of creation of, first of all, doing your best to manufacture a real emotional deficit in an individual to convince them that they're not enough the way they yeah, are, yeah. and then sell them things to get them this outcome that ultimately is kind of empty when you get there anyway, because you know whether you have a six pack or not, it's ultimately like not the end all be all of your life, one finds. Yeah. But I think it's okay to start with that. And then what you hope for, I think, as a coach is ideally over time, the individual adopts more intrinsic motivations and begins to link it to sort of this point in my life. It's really so much more about like my values. It's about all the other things I want to do in my life. Yeah. So I still want to look good with my shirt off. I still have some specific standards around, you know, things like body fat percentage and waste, which some people might ascribe vanity. And I don't know, frankly, they're even wrong, but the more compelling motivations for me at this point in my life are seeing that I'm not here indefinitely. Clock is already ticking. There's yeah. a lot of things I want to do. So the better I can take care of my body physically, I get more quality and quantity. Like not only in theory, am I more likely to live longer, but I'm more robust. I have more capacity. I have more emotional resilience. I'm in a better place mentally and emotionally throughout my day. So for all the other things I'm doing are supported and I think given more bandwidth because of the work I do with like the physiological inputs of my own well-being. Yeah, and I think that what you said there about kind of almost like meeting the clients where they are and because everyone's at their own point and 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 <laughs> with what you've said about kind of marketing and advertising and things like that and it's not just the fitness industry it's all industries are marketed in that sure, exact same way aren't they. And um and and so we've been conditioned over a long long time, years, decades and when we start talking to someone when we start working with someone often the they, they've already got this conditioning to think that they uh that the, the, the primary goal is aesthetic and mm -hmm. it makes more sense rather than trying to unpick that before you start working with them that's something which is going to take time and so you can meet someone where they are like you said with the goal they've already got and then as time goes on because it's certainly that's exactly the same process i went through in terms of my, my initially my my own fitness goals were all aesthetic and now mm -hmm. they are minimally yeah not zero but minimally 
and for me it's more sure. about it's more about quality of life and like you said i've i've still got certain things yes i've still got a certain amount of vanity because i think all humans have got an ego as long as we're aware of it i think that's that's always a good uh, a good thing to do is to be aware of the ego but we can't get rid of it entirely and and we do have that vanity but for me it's like you said a lot more about quality of life it's a lot more about being able to do the things i want to do and one of the things that kind of i that's always uh, that I, I see your your yearly kind of um, I guess what, what what's what's the word when you when you go on a oh, pilgrimage that's the word I'm looking for your yearly pilgrimage to Burning Man and yes I feel like that's something which <laughs> like you know attending festivals and that's a festival and a half that is you know but um, does your fitness improve your ability to enjoy stuff like that I think it probably does. I think it, it probably does. Honestly, the things that happen out there are so indescribably unhealthy, like unfathomably uh, violent to the body. Yeah. But I guess, <laughs> you know, uh, certainly I'd be healthier. But that's the draw, isn't I, it? That's you know. the draw. Uh, yeah, it's it's a descent into madness, you know, and I could make up some completely bullshit, you know, arguing about hormesis. And, you know, I'm, I'm making my system stronger because I'm exposing it to I'm just absolutely crushing it so it'll grow back stronger. Like, perhaps, I don't know at this point in my life, I, that's actually true for my four-year-old body, but <laughs> it is a lot of fun. And of course, you know, we're not just a meat suit. There are certain experiences one can have that are maybe on, on the front side, not in the best interest of your physiology that ultimately could make you a more robust version of who you want to be. And that's probably not a bad thing. No, absolutely. I mean, fitness for me, I talk a lot about mental fitness and and that to me combines kind of emotional fitness, social fitness um, and all these kind of things like being able to actually have uh, capacity to put yourself through stresses in life that aren't just physical stresses, but they're emotional stresses and they're, they're, they're sure. mental stresses and things like that. And that's how I see fitness is your ability to cope with and recover from stress. And not every stress you come across is a physical stress. And so, um, yeah, I mean, you are gonna, you are gonna have some kind of adaptation after, after a weekend or week like that, aren't you? Yes. Yes, you certainly will. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is, this is the thing. And I, th- I think that more people now seem to be, coming round to this idea of fitness not being necessarily the 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 end goal but being a means to an end and almost like um like a currency it's fitness is like a currency you can spend on enjoying your life rather than it just be it's like money there's no point in just having it it doesn't do anything unless right. you actually use it and and fitness sure. is fitness is the same it doesn't do anything unless you use that fitness to experience things yes and that's going to be individual, like you said. Um, what What would you say, like over your uh, over your kind of experience in the fitness industry? Because you've been, I mean, how long have you been in the fitness industry now? Like, when did you first come in? Oh, sheesh, uh, I guess. I mean, really professionally, probably thirteen or fourteen years ago, and then obviously several years before that as a hardcore amateur student. Like, I was I was one of as many people as like a very serious layman that yeah. just completely fell out of my mind in love with the industry and just studied ravishing voraciously. And then at a certain point, just could not resist the uh, just drive to share what I was learning with other people. Cause I was just so interested and I knew it would be valuable, particularly to my extended community of friends in New York city. So, but I probably, I started working as like a trainer. The first time anyone ever paid me money, I guess would have been the fall of 2007. Yeah. Fall of 2007, I think. Yeah, and so over over that time, obviously, you've kind of been through um, a huge amount of learning in that time as well, and a, and a lot of challenges yes. and a lot of kind of iterations of your business. Um, what would you say, kind of the biggest over that over that time, the biggest challenges you faced are, or indeed, actually, in in terms of your entire life, biggest physical challenges, biggest mental challenges? Um, what what are the kind of things that you've come up against? Uh, I'm sorry, can you restate that uh, question for me? The biggest challenges uh, physical challenge of my life yeah oh gosh uh i don't know that i can identify much in the way of physical challenges yeah. honestly uh you know i've been lucky i've been pretty healthy um yeah and i'm also not you know i, I also did not come up through the world of sport no, i was sure. a dancer 
uh, in my acting career, but I'm not a particularly physical person and I much prefer uh, naps and cocktails and books yeah. to exerting myself. Yeah. But I have at this point in my life so completely adopted the identity of a fitness person and so committed to really performing at a very high level that that is synonymous to me with like being very serious about my fitness. And it's interesting because really, uh, strangely, even since COVID when the world ended and I had certainly for a little while, a little more free time than usual, I have been probably more consistent and been spending more time working out quote unquote for all the ways you might mean that in the past year than maybe any year of my life, honestly. Yeah, I think that the, it's been a it's been a strange year in a lot of ways, and it's thrown a kind of spanner in the works for a lot of people. But it it seems to have gone one of two ways in that that um, it's either for I mean everyone's been affected so differently, but some people they have found that they've suddenly got this time on their hands to do things that perhaps they hadn't been doing before. Um, and I think the mm-hmm. thing with the thing with people working in the fitness industry is they don't always. <laughs> they're not always always as consistent with working out as you said quote unquote um as yeah. the lay person or the client would imagine they are because often the people who are drawn into a coaching position are the ones who actually give a shit about other people and therefore they put a lot more energy into looking after other people's consistency and other people's workouts than they do themselves yes. is that is that kind of the same trap that you got caught up in yeah you know i got to say i think i was always pretty consistent but i was consistent to the tune of you know now i'm gonna probably like it like a huge dick if anyone's listening and struggling but like for me i was like consistently working out like four to five times per week yeah um and now i've been pretty consistent like five to six sessions per week i've also been warming up like 10 to 15 minutes every time which that was the thing that fell off frankly for a couple years there i just was like lazy about my warm-ups because i was always running a little bit late yeah um the workouts themselves are a little bit longer. And frankly, I've been more consistent, dedicated to dedicated cardiovascular work. Yeah. Really in the past few years, but I've been very consistent this year. And that has also, I think, really transformed my lifting, frankly, without getting too much in the nerdery of, you know, training science. But it makes yeah. sense because I was lifting. You get cardiovascular training, right? You, there's some impact there. But if you're being very consistent and dedicated as I have been really for most of this year now doing at least a couple dedicated, relatively higher intensity cardiovascular sessions. And then usually another one to two longer steady state cardiovascular session. Yeah. That that's, that is really quite a foundation. And I have noticed that to be very helpful for my overall sense of well being. There probably is more impact for my long-term cardiovascular health than just the weight training, even though that does have cardiovascular impact. Um, and then frankly, the lifting sessions themselves are just e- easier. So in retrospect, I look at times over the past, like not again, maybe not so much in the past few years, I've gotten better and better about doing cardio, but cause I definitely was on team, like just lift, just lift, it's yeah. fine. Anything more than eight is cardio, just lift. And again, you're, you're gonna get tons of cardiovascular benefit from doing that, right? When you look into the research on the actual health benefit of exercise, you don't need to do a whole lot. You like, you get like really massive impact. Like if we could just get everybody like aggressively walking for 15 minutes a day, every day, it would just transform society. Right? Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, you get lots of benefit pretty quickly. So I was still probably, you know, more fit than the average person just by lifting, but I didn't realize in retrospect now, I'm like, God, a lot of those workouts were yeah. A part of it was like, cause I lifted a little bit heavier when I was younger, but part of it was also, I just was, I get gassed. So just taking me a long time to get through workouts. Cause I would just be like tired 15 minutes in. Yeah. And now I'm like, Oh, because my heart was not in great shape. So my, heart was not recovering well. <laughs> it's, Science. Yeah. It's, it's almost like this stuff actually, you know, actually makes sense. Right. It's almost like, yeah, no, <laughs> for, for a nerd, for, for someone who likes the details and stuff, um, you know, you, you, you don't always apply it. Do you? Yeah, certainly, certainly not everyone does. I, again, I have to say in the grand scheme of my life, I do think I was probably not, I was probably more disciplined than the usual person, not now or at this point. Like, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't know that it would probably, anything beyond what I'm doing would be overkill. And I might even be able to make an argument that this level of training in a given week, because if you do the math of it, right, like it's probably like eight to nine hours of physical activity I'm getting. Yeah, you might be able to argue that's actually more than I should be doing to be in line with my goals. But 
going back to the original conversation, my, my health is so, so important to me. I don't mind a little bit of overemphasis on my health and well-being. And we also know that there's variance from week to week, right? So we know this very much their clients. Uh, you know, when I'm having a great week, I'm really dialed in. Yes, I'm going to do four weight training sessions. I'm going to do two high intensity sessions. I'm going to do two steady state sessions, but that's not every single week. Yeah. So, so for me, I, I don't mind having that my target. And then I don't beat myself up if I only work out like four to five times in a week, because I know for most humans, if I could, you know, that's more than I would even ask of them to do because it's not realistic for them and probably not strictly necessary for their goals, but doesn't hurt to help you stay alive. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And it, I think uh, it's a, a massive part of that as well is finding, I mean, it's it's again, an, a kind of obvious thing when you say it out loud, but every single person is going to have such different um, uh, such a different point that they're starting from, but also different physiology, different enjoyment as well. They're going to prefer different things. And for you, I imagine totally. that you're going to, you know, you obviously you've been training for long enough that doing eight or nine hours of physical activity a week is something that your body will cope with much better than someone who came into it fresh uh, at the age of 40 who, who has who has never worked out since PE at school. Very true. That's very true. Um, when you when you open, so how how long has um, how long have you had Mark Fisher Fitness the the the, the actual gym itself? When did that we get set open up? up? Yeah, we opened up the physical brick and mortar. We are this, I guess the I guess this is basically the ninth year anniversary, kind of right now. We officially officially opened uh, with the membership model January of two thousand twelve. Yeah. So we're about to be entering our 10th year. So about nine years. That's mega. And um, what was the, like, so when I, when I first owned a gym, which I didn't own for very long, it wasn't the right path for me. Um, I, I loved every minute of it. Well, not every minute of it, um, but I loved a lot of it and it was an amazing experience. But one of the things which I took a huge amount of inspiration from in terms of um, what I wanted the the ethos to be like was from um, from watching what you did. And I think it was when after I'd seen a, um, a an article, I think it was when you were in men's health. I think it was when it was in that kind of the, uh, you know, it was like a, a showcase of unusual gyms and things like this or the best gyms and stuff like that. And I came across your your place and I, I got really into watching things like your videos and looking at the website. And I thought this is so different to everything else I've seen in terms of the yeah. way, the way gyms are run. Everything I'd seen up until that point was, um, was just normal. It was just fitness industry stuff. It was rooms full of sure. equipment and people who liked using that equipment. And when I saw what you were doing at, at, at um, MFF in uh, in New York, I was like, that's so different. And, and what was, I mean, is that something you specifically set out to do? What was the, what was the inspiration there? And what was the, what was the goal when you opened up? Yeah, I knew it was different. I knew that it was different. And at the same time, it was also organic and that so much of it was, and in some extent still is a reflection of my eccentricities and the things I was interested in, the particular, you know, I think maybe unusual bundling together of interests in, uh, you know, fitness and branding and art and musical theater and stand-up comedy and uh, life coaching and performance art and preaching like yeah. all together this weird hodgepodge yeah um so for me it was just an expression of all these things i was kind of most interested in speaking about and i was lucky i think that i found a community of people that were interested in that kind of experience and that approach to fitness. And to some extent that was because I was making it for my friends. Yeah. So yeah. never, you know, I was always hyper clear from the beginning of MFF, like exactly what sort of human that I most wanted to help because they were all my community. They were the people that I did shows with or the people that I was at auditions with early in the morning. Now, since then, the community of MFF has certainly expanded beyond that and the actual percentage of people in the broader community is much smaller i think for the people that know of mff that know this as the broadway gym i think would be shocked actually to see because com comparatively you know it's maybe 10 to 20 percent of our population it's not like everybody in there works on broadway right but i think similarly i'm just been interested in the people that i feel like don't identify with a lot of what the fitness industry has to offer and particularly the boutique scene in new york city 
I wouldn't say, I wouldn't call it like exclusive necessarily because I don't think it's trying to be exclusive, but it's, you know, beautiful spaces for beautiful people being beautiful together and, you know, high intensity training and like hyper, like competitive, like what's the hardest workout I can do. And yeah, that's all great. And I think that's a great thing to people for to do. People should go and do that. You know, whereas like, I want like the other rear kids that are like, you know, the, I would say it was like the acting kids, but it was also like the marching band and the skate punks and the potheads and the kids that were sexually active a little too early and the kids were sexually active a little too late. Like those were all my people, right? The other weirdos. Yeah. And it is like you said, the, I, th- I think a lot of it starts at least, I, I, I don't know what the situation is in the States, but in the UK, the, um, when, when you're going through school, the fitness side of things, the PE side of things, the sports side of things, it attracts a very specific kind of person. And, uh, and as you go through, it almost filters out um, anyone who isn't naturally athletic or naturally interested in athletics yes. in, in some kind. And it, it drives this wedge in between just it not it's just most people and fitness and i think that that wedge is even bigger for like you said the kind of the kids who are um who are even further apart from that so like you know talking about skate punks and alternative kids and stuff like that and that was the kind of um the the, the scene that i was in when, when i was in my teenage years and as such i just didn't see that there was any kind of common ground between me and sport or me and fitness and and it wasn't until I was in my 20s that I realized that you could be both and it just didn't seem like it was a place that I was comfortable and it, it was I think that the more places that are really I, I guess ex- extremely obvious and out there in terms of how um how welcoming they are to those kinds of communities like what mff is like you know it's 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 a proper it's obvious that you're for those people and i think that it's it's a really powerful statement to make because it rekindles something of going oh actually hey i can be i can work on my fitness and still be who i am rather than having to sacrifice it yep um, so you were um, you were talking about Broadway and stuff like that, and being known as the as you know the Broadway gym. So that's where you're based in New York, is it? So it's just the as in the gym itself. That's off Broadway, is it? Uh, it's yeah, it's very close to the Broadway theaters, and that's where my entire training career was. Was in a, a neighborhood called Hell's Kitchen, which is right next to Midtown, right, right next to Times Square. Cool. And so. Uh, before you came into the fitness industry, you were talking about kind of acting career and things like that. And that was where you were, that was where you were acting, was it? Uh, well, not on Broadway. I was, I was acting in the vicinity of Broadway, but not actually on Broadway. Right, so. cool, cool. Yeah. Well, it's, it's all, it's that, it's that area, isn't it? It's that whole kind of, it's, it's, Broadway itself is famous for the the, the big stuff, isn't it? And then you've sure. got you, it's surrounded by all kinds of other smaller theaters and and uh, venues and stuff like that. Is that right? Uh, yeah, that's pretty close. There are, I mean, there are probably theaters all over Manhattan. When someone uses the word a Broadway show, generally what they're referring to is it's a particular type. First of all, it's a particular type of union contract. Yeah. Um, and second of all, it's a particular type of theater of which there are. Well, I could be wrong. I want to say there's like high 30s, low 40 Broadway theaters, and they are not all literally on Broadway, but they're all in one very specific neighborhood. I think they're like you know a 15 block distance north or south, and maybe a couple avenues apart. Yeah, and that is when people think of Broadway. That is what most people think of when they think of a Broadway show. Yeah. Yeah, I think it is. That's definitely what I think of. Um, I think I've got a very limited view of, you know, things from places that I've never been to. <laughs> you kind of right. only get like that that um, the input from, you know, watching films and stuff like that. Um, when you're doing stage performances, um, and obviously, I mean, you mentioned dance and that is obviously physically demanding. Would you say that stage performance in general, acting, dancing, stuff like that, is is uh, it has a kind of quite a big drain on your on your uh, on your on you physically and therefore it makes a lot of sense to kind of put some effort into building that capacity yes <laughs> yes i would and with with that so is that kind of part of that um part of what steered you in that direction where you were kind of obviously looking after yourself and you were kind of building your yeah. capacity for work but the people where, where did people go who were kind of like you, 
uh, before they had a place that was like your place, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Uh, I mean, I think they would take advantage of any of the other, you know, existing solutions that were available at the time and often exist still, which is maybe, you know, you work out it, you join some bigger box gym for a monthly membership fee and that gives you access to equipment. Maybe yeah. if you have a good month or save up, you invest in a trainer for a period of time to hopefully learn how to use the equipment a little more effectively. Um, certainly, even by the time MFF was opening, I, I wouldn't say it was the beginning. They were they were pretty established by that point, but we've seen over the past 10, maybe, maybe 15 years, the real rise of the boutique fitness studio space, which is sort of its own animal, which is more of a, a paper class model, though most yep. of them are also on memberships. So I think they would have done, yeah, any, any, any or all of the above, any or all of the above, and certainly taking dance classes and yeah. maybe working with a body worker of some kind. But, you know, a lot of people before MFF existed, that would have been an ideal client for MFF, would have done that. Or frankly, a lot of them probably just wouldn't have done anything. You know, it's one of the things I think we're most proud about MFF. And I don't mean to pretend that that's, you know, a massive number of our ninjas wouldn't be working out at all if they had not found MFF. But I think it's some, I think there's some that, you know, have only found, and even if they don't stay with us forever, I think my dream is MFF is sort of the safe onboarding, the safe entryway to reestablish relationship with your body. Yes. Even if you don't stay with us forever. Well, it's that thing again, where it's, it's, it's removing that wedge that was driven in from such an early age. And it doesn't need to be you that continues that journey with them, but you've given them back that confidence. And I think that with, with what you're talking about, the the impact of that might not be as obvious as you would think. And I think that I, I, I would imagine that there's a lot of people who perhaps seemed like they wouldn't fit that category of people where they, you know, they, they wouldn't have gone elsewhere or perhaps, it, you know, they needed, they needed that specific input from you guys. Um, they, there might be people who don't seem that they would fit in that, but they actually did, or they might've been just about to fall out of love with it, even though they were doing something else beforehand, because there was still that lack of feeling like they belong. And, and when you, when you break it down, to its base level in terms of you know humanity we're social creatures we like to it doesn't i'm not talking about everyone being extroverts and wanting to be around loads of people all the time but even introverts are social animals even if you're Mm -hmm. introverted you it just means that you have a smaller circle and you build depth of connection with those people and you want to be around those people but no one very very few people you are ever going to want to be on their own all the time and so we need that social interaction and i think that fitness premises (laughs) gyms and and communities that that focus needs to be so strongly on on community and on that social interaction to make people want to go and that's what i mean you mentioned the word ninjas and obviously if there are people listening to this who don't know you and don't know mff ninjas is what you call your members right Right. And you don't call the gym a gym, do you? No. no. What do you call it? The the Enchanted Ninja Clubhouse of Glory and Dreams. And you see, like. No, usually we just call it the Clubhouse or the Ninja Clubhouse. But even that, even just the word Clubhouse makes. uh, It just changes the whole emotional connection to that because people hear the word gym and shudder. They, 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 they just, they've already Some got, do, yeah. yeah, they've got, they've already got, and I think it's a lot of people. I think that there's people who, who, lo- who like gyms. I think there's people who hate gyms. And I think there's a lot of people who aren't very sure about, right. you know, whether they fit or not. And as soon as you call something a clubhouse, it's like a pattern interrupt. It's just, it doesn't immediately make people who hate gyms go, oh, I love clubhouses, but it just makes them think. Rather than yeah. having that automatic knee-jerk response of no fucking way, they sure. go, oh, hang on a minute. This isn't exactly what I was expecting. And, I mean, was is that the point to it? Was that part of why you wanted to change the terminology around what you do? Or, again, was it just something which you were like, it feels like a clubhouse, so we're going to call it a clubhouse? Uh, well, when we named it, we weren't in there yet. So I can't say that it felt like Clubhouse because it was embryonic. It didn't feel like anything. It was just a, a, very much a concept. But yeah, yeah it was purposely because I was like, we can't call it a gym. Like, we don't want a gym. And honestly, <laughs> even a, a, what is interesting and it's like a, a small thing I've thought of over the past few years, which is probably too late now, is in fact, 
we call it the clubhouse, but people mostly think of it as a gym. But actually, that is confusing because a gym, when most people think of a gym, they think of an op- they think of a big box gym, right? If you're yes, not in yeah. the fitness industry. So what we do is really closer to a training-centric fitness studio or a, a training gym. Yeah. Depending on the verbiage that you use. Now, a consumer is not going to, you know, really know the difference. But admittedly, a consumer at least might have an inkling that a training gym is different than a gym. Yeah. But regardless, none of those terms felt in line with the sort of brand, the sort of experience, the sort of atmosphere that we were hoping to create. And I think, uh, yeah, you know, names are powerful things. Symbols are powerful things. So I think calling it that was, I think, a, a powerful symbol for what we wanted MFF to be. Yeah, it's, um, you know, a lot of people talk about words being just words, but they they contain a huge amount of power, don't yeah. they? And I mean, that's, yeah. that's why, that's why, I mean, I know that language is limited and we, we, we don't have words to describe everything and it's very difficult to describe the kind of human experience in the very limited language that we have, but they still have a tremendous amount of power and they also have a tremendous amount of baggage with them and you know like you said we don't we don't own a gym and again that's that that's that baggage of that word gym where people have a an immediate um image conjured up in their mind and so yeah. So it is really important to use that right terminology and and the enchant en- was it enchanted ninja clubhouse of of glory and dreams exactly and the it's it's it just feels good right when you hear that yeah there's some people yeah or you run away screaming which is also fine well that's the thing is you you if someone if someone runs away screaming at that point, it's probably best they don't set foot in there. Yeah, for for the for the best. I mean, I will say another thing. I do think honestly, we we probably this is maybe inevitable, and I don't think I would probably even change anything. But admittedly, the, I do think we've at times maybe hit it so hard that people are like freaked out that we probably like particularly because of course anything on social media was like the most over the top things that happened, and then we've made over the years, many, many deeply disturbing, troublesome videos yeah. that are hilarious and you certainly never forget them. You will no, not forget I'm it. I'm haunted by that. them. I am haunted by these videos. Yeah, you will be haunted videos. to your dying days. And, you know, and that's so much of like marketing brands. Do people remember you? Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's the biggest issue like with most trainers and most gyms. And I say this with so much love and gentleness because also I don't have like a good ebook for like how to be completely looney tunes and build a business around it right like i don't have like a good system to like be more interesting but yeah. a lot of gyms a lot of fitness professionals they're they're just not that memorable they're not dynamic they don't grab you and uh and again i mean that not to put a value judgment on because i think that's separate from someone's intrinsic values of person. Oh, yeah, i don't of mean course. to i don't mean to suggest that like oh you're boring to so forget right. you it's like well no you're great you're a person you have value you're you're awesome and uh, separately, it's difficult to build a business if people literally just can't even remember having a conversation with you. Yep. They're sort of like tired talking to you. Uh, you know, it's like those are those are generally not things you want when particularly the, the business of fitness, to some extent, you are selling life force. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but having said all that, we you know definitely have become very memorable. But I do think over the years, there are many people we probably would have had the opportunity to work with. Uh, but because they're introverted, they just were terrified and they probably would have been a good fit for MFF. Oh, uh, right. But yeah, because we hit, we hit it so hard, they were thinking like, oh, at MFF, they... So like one of our habits, one of our uh, videos, the uh, seven habits of highly sexy motherfuckers. Yeah. At the end, it's the, the video is farcical. The whole thing is like, it has nothing to do with anything we do. It's just this weird video. And at the end of the video, which you may have seen, there's like a, a like a warm up dance party, yeah. And I think to this day there are people that are afraid to sign up for MFF because they're afraid for the warm up will make them do a dance party. Yeah, yeah. And the warm up actually will make you do Spider Man lunges and planks, right? So like the actual the experience, the training, it's not that different from many other training gyms. Yeah. The real difference is the space looks different. The the instructors are aggressively kind and friendly and welcoming. Yeah. The instructors are wearing bizarre and unusual things. Yeah. They're cursing a lot more. Um, they, use the the part, like, they use different cues. They use different cues is very, one of the things I've learned. Cues, yeah. You know, but but for the most part, it's just like we're just you know. And I often think, frankly, it's probably anticlimactic for people in the industry that follow us because they come in expecting to see you know like a a monkey running around, and you come in and there's like a trainer having someone do a deadlift and the trainer happens to be wearing a cape. 
Yeah. And yeah. he's coaching up a ninja to really grip that bar, really tear that bar apart. And you're like, oh, that's actually literally the same thing that's happening in our facility. But the instructor's wearing a cape and the walls are purple and they're listening to Barbara Streisand. Yeah. Okay. So this is, I mean, when I, when I watched the, the seven habits of uh, highly sexy motherfuckers, and in fact, um, I watched it most recently, I watched that today. And um, the dance party thing is something which kind of became, um, it became known in anything that was done in the media about you or anytime there was like a kind of article about MFF or anything like that, the dance parties thing would be written about. And so I guess that perpetuated that that side of yeah things. and and we've literally never done that there's never been a class ever where there was a warm-up dance party ever <laughs> like there there might be like occasional like no doubt like and here's the thing again like there have definitely there are definitely classes where there are maybe optional improvisational like dance parties on a rest period but it's just to be silly yeah the lights are off we take consent very seriously like we yeah. take autonomy very seriously so if you just want to like sit there and not move and like drink your water bottle like do whatever you want like you're it's a clubhouse like you don't have to this is not like compulsory dancing like dance have fun have fun now now <laughs> it would kind you of know, it's it like, would kind of undo some of the fun a little yeah, bit i like reckon not, if you yeah, did that it's, it's not as fun when things are compulsory has been my experience so but you know again i can't complain on, on overall i think it's still kind of worked for us but i do think there continues to probably be like a little bit of a difference between what actually happens in mff versus people's conception <laughs> i think it would be however you do things because there's there's never any way of portraying 100 percent accurately anything you do and sure, so sure the the goal with those kind of videos as always obviously they're going to be more extreme because you're trying to make a point and the best way to make a point is yeah. to be a bit dramatic about it and yes. and and the the nature of social media and trying to get your name out on the internet and, and attract people and show people what you're doing people have got very short attention spans they're very um you know they'll they'll be on to the next thing and you need to make something that is memorable like you said and it's mm -hmm. that it's that thing you always hear where it's like people won't always remember what you said but they'll remember how you made them feel and if you can make them feel yes maybe a little bit confused but also excited and maybe a little bit aroused at the same time then they're going to remember that and go hey this isn't what i thought fitness was <laughs> this, yeah. this 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 has kind of got my juices flowing a little bit and i'd like to find out more and then it when they find out more they get the reality yeah totally you know we, we always say at the front desk i always tell people i want to create joy and confusion yeah <laughs> yeah i want yeah. to create joy and confusion because i want the I, as you said before i want to i want to break their pattern i want to pattern yeah. interrupt i want to like knock them out of like their day-to-day -day, and not only mess with their i think preconceived notions of what a gym experience should be but hopefully just like force them into like presence of that like that moment of their day because yeah i don't know it's kind of easy to live life sort of on autopilot and and one thing that you know part of the goal of a place like mff is it's so over the top is i want to like create one container for you to just be deeply present right and again this yeah. is where the undergirdings of mff which we doesn't really make in the marketing stuff because it can frankly it can feel like a little bit precious but you know my background even uh as somebody was not a very good dancer not even really very long but i think also shaped a lot of this concept of like a practice yeah, like yeah. adopting movement as a practice as movement as a doorway to awareness to your body right of just deep presence and a lot of it I think a lot of the philosophy, a lot of the undergirdings of it are probably not dissimilar to what people might associate more with like yoga and a more explicitly spiritual practice. Yep. But again, I'm not going to sell that. I'm going to sell like, I will help you lose weight. Yeah. Because that's what you want to buy. <laughs> I'm going to help you lose weight. And then I will trick you to cope with the anxieties of modernity that you and everyone you've ever loved will all die and none of us know what we're doing. So let's hold our hands together and have a real authentic moment. I love that. I love that. And it is, it's, you, if you led with that, I think you'd probably, I think the confusion would be a little bit too high. And the, I think it would be a little too high. Yes. Yeah. We need to, you need to drip feed them, to the confusion. Yes. It's it is hugely powerful in that way that that you've created something that um, that allows you to do that, and it doesn't just go, "Hey, I'm going to help you lose weight," and and then you help them lose weight, and then that's it. But you've created right. this whole thing where where they all different aspects of challenges that they're facing become something they can cope with whereas before they were things which seemed insurmountable in terms of their confidence their relationships their career because it's all intertwined isn't it your fitness isn't something that just tacks on to the end and does a thing it, sure. it it's 
part of everything, right? Right. Yeah. So That's I've true. got I've got a uh, I've got a couple of a couple of final questions to to kind of close off because I know that you've actually got to go and help people. Um, the first question that I'd like to finish with is how how do you think a unicorn would be best suited to lifting weights? Because you like those two things quite a lot, right? So unicorns and weights. Um, how does those, how do those two things go together? If a unicorn wanted to get hench, how would you, how would you train it? Yeah, I actually haven't thought about actual unicorn lifting weights before. So yeah, I don't, uh, I don't know. That's tough. I don't even really know how well, I'm not a really horse expert for such a lover of unicorns. I don't really know how they're, legs bend i guess they're i guess they can kind of sit down so i don't know maybe with weighted vests not really? sure maybe we'd fashion some unicorn specific yeah i, re- I imagine they'd, for the training they'd be good at sled pulls i think maybe yeah yeah certainly that would be a pretty practical yeah application i was kind of in my in my mind i was kind of working out whether they would lift with their horn or their hooves and i just think that the whole thing is just a a, a kind of a minefield of of um fantastical um of danger and all, all kinds of risk and i to be honest i think that it's probably not a route to go down yeah no i i um i don't feel particularly inspired to force the unicorn to work out i think they've they've got that covered yeah they're, they're pretty hench as it is right they're pretty they're, you they, say hench? Hench, yeah, they're pretty hench. They know what they're doing. Oh, what's hench? Hench, is that not a word you have? Oh, no, is that a British term? Is that a Britishism? It must be. I didn't even know it was a Britishism. Hey, there you go. Every day's a school day, Mark. Hench. Hench is like is is like strong and built and all of that good stuff. Oh, I have yeah. never heard that in my life. That is, I'm going to bring that back and use that and confuse the shit out of us Americans. <laughs> there you go. Take that with you. That is, you can, you can bank that one, mate. Great. Um, and the final question is, if there's someone listening to this who is who wants to make some changes, you know, 2020's thrown people the fuck off track pretty pretty much um, in a lot of ways, whether it's in terms of their career, their, 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 their business, their fitness, their mindset, their lifestyle in general, everything's got a bit tits up. And um, if they wanted to either get started with making some positive changes and looking after themselves physically and mentally, um, improve their habits, or come back to something that perhaps they were doing in the past, but they've just been thrown off track. Um, what kind of advice would you give them? If you had a couple of couple of basic starting points for someone who who is busy but wants to make it a priority, where would you say they started? Yeah, I think it's best to probably just do something. Just do something and start small. Yeah. And logistically, maybe do it earlier in the day before you get tired and sad, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. based on kind of where they're at, you know, because I, I definitely had like my not great moments in the past year, like everybody else. And yeah, for sure. I feel very fortunate now to be in a really great place mentally, emotionally, physically. And I just know that for me, my own experience, not to project on other people is like when I'm like not in a great place, like it just it's hard to do stuff, right? Like that's just hard to myself to do anything. And I find that even in those moments, usually in the, in the morning, I'll have a little bit of extra gas, a little bit of extra willpower to make myself do the things that will build capacity that will hopefully be nourishing and will give me more yeah. gas for other things in my day. And certainly fitness, those physiological inputs matter, right? Yeah. Like you're, you know, and I know, you know, this. that's sort of the purpose of this entire podcast you have, but the the physiological inputs will affect your psychology and your emotional well-being. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that what you mentioned earlier on as well when you were talking about if everyone could just walk for 15 minutes and I think that for for things like you know you're saying about just doing something and starting small it doesn't have to be 15 minutes either but if you're able to walk then walking for 5 minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes has a much lower motivation cost than something like going to the gym for an hour and a half, right? Totally, totally, totally. Yeah, and it's I I I think as well you talk a lot about joy and um and I think that's something that's a big takeaway for, for anyone listening to this who's listened to the kind of the, the whole episode. I think it's really key to, to 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 listen to what Mark said about about joy and about enjoyment and about kind of actually finding something that um that you that 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 you feel comfortable doing and that's right for you because we are all you we're all we're all special snowflakes, aren't we, Mark? We are all different humans with different likes and different preferences. Sure. Awesome stuff. So, Mark, thank you so much for sharing your time with us today. Really enjoy this. If people want to kind of uh, follow you or or MFF or anything like that and see more about what you're about, um, what kind of places do you hang out in terms of social media? Where can people see more of you? 
Yeah, I don't. Strangely, they they'll well they sign up for Mark Fisher Fitness or Biz for Unicorns. I'll see them there because that's basically the only places I am these days for yeah, social yeah. media. But uh, yeah, if they go to markfisherfitness.com, they can find out more about MFF. And if they are so interested, we are mostly a virtual gym these days. So strangely yeah. enough, we've had a lot of success keeping the community online. So uh, if they go to that website, they'll find out more about our homebody program, which is been rocking for us. It's actually only 12 classes, $49. Highly recommend, high value. Yeah. And then Business for Unicorns, if anybody watching happens to be an aspiring or established brick and mortar training gym owner, they can find more musings from my business partner and myself about how we have and continue to shape the future of MFF. And beyond that, I am on Instagram. I maintain a presence, but mostly just to reply to DMs. <laughs> I, every once in a while, I'll do a posting. But for the most part, I'll occasionally be story reposts that my wife tags me in of my dog. But if anyone <laughs> wants to find me there, they can. Uh, and actually, email is always best for me, mark at markfisherfitness.com. I am very accessible via email. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, it's really good to hear that you've managed to pivot well this year and you've taken things online and you're still managing to help people and stuff like that. Um, interestingly as well, I just want to touch on the business for unicorns thing. Is that um, is that solely for fitness industry kind of gym owners and stuff like that? Or is that kind of a, a does that pan out to other industries as well? Is there is there teaching there that, that benefits other, other industries or is it fitness industry only? Uh, I think it would benefit other industries. We've recently pivoted. So it is squarely focused on training gyms and not even just fitness professionals yeah love online trainers i love personal trainers uh, i love people on big box gyms i love all of them but that's not what i do so i don't i just don't have as much to offer those individuals i think that a lot of the principles we speak about are broadly applicable it's been interesting even as we've retooled the content because i find that i probably still could just get rid of the word fitness business or training gym it's all still going to be broadly applicable yeah but because that are the people that we know best that's the world we feel most equipped to help. And that's sure. why we've really actually tightened that up because, and that's relatively recent. The recently is a few months ago, it was still broader business consulting. And we still do a handful of that, but we don't really like promote it. Well, like for friends oftentimes, yeah. or if somebody like finds us and wants to do like an hour of consulting, or we actually, this is like also very random. We don't talk about a lot, but we have a number of like more traditional consulting relationships with industries outside of fitness, yep. where we do workshops and training development for their staff. But Biz for Unicorns, for the most part, is focused on established and aspiring training gym, micro gym, and training-centric fitness studio owners. Awesome stuff. Uh, yeah, that's absolutely fab. And it's all it's all people, isn't it? It's all humans. So that's kind of where sure. the crossover <laughs> where the crossover is. Mark, once again, thank you so much for your time today, um, and I hope you have a fantastic rest of your afternoon and your evening. Thanks, friend. Thank you for listening to Fit Body, Fit Mind with me, Jay Unwin. If you aren't already connected with me on LinkedIn, Instagram or Facebook, then you can find all the links in the podcast description or on my website at fitbodyfitmind.online. Until next time, stay fit, stay well and have fun. <laughs>